Hey, what's going on? It's Anthony Dean, and it's time for Change the Game podcast for Tuesday, January 14th, 2020. What's going on? How are you guys? Last episode, we discussed the NFL and Wild Card Weekend, and the next NFL postseason podcast is coming up. This week, very soon, discussing the divisional round matchups. But like I said, I'm not going to do back-to-back NFL podcasts. But I am going to do back-to-back football podcasts. It's actually going to be back-to-back-to-back because this podcast is going to be the final college football podcast of the 2019-2020 season. The second Change the Game college football podcast that I've done, and obviously we have to talk about the national championship game. It hasn't really even been five hours since LSU, your LSU Tigers, win the national championship game in the Superdome in New Orleans, right by Bourbon Street. LSU Tigers defeating the defending champion Clemson Tigers. 42 to 25. I'm happy that LSU won. I was rooting for him. My guy Thaddeus Moss, my boy Randy Moss's son, the excellent tight end, catching two touchdowns in the big game. Shout out to my guy Thaddeus Moss, the great tight end. But, I mean, what can you say about Joe Burrow? I mean, he put it on the... The record that he is one of the greatest players in the history of college football. You can't take anything away from him. He should be the number one pick. It's a slam dunk number one pick in this upcoming NFL draft. I don't think there's any question that you could pass on Joe Burrow. Although I think Tua Tungavailoa can have a better NFL career. It's very possible. I don't see how you could pass on Joe Burrow right now if you're the Cincinnati Bengals. So Joe Burrow is headed to Cincinnati with a national championship ring on his finger. So, I mean, you got to love Joe Burrow's performance. 31 of 49, 463 yards, five touchdowns, and zero picks. And then he runs for 58 yards and a touchdown, so six total touchdowns. And really, when you think about it, it would have been seven if he wanted to. They were being nice and didn't want to just score another touchdown. They were being respectful. I feel him, but... If he wanted to, though, he could have had seven touchdowns against the defending and undefeated national champions. Undefeated from last year and this year. Unprecedented in this college football playoff era. What Clemson was attempting to do. Win back-to-back national championships with undefeated seasons. Last team to do that was Nebraska in the 90s. But... The one thing that really did bug me was that bogus pass interference call. And the targeting call was really dumb, too. I thought that was, oh, man, it's it's tough to say. You know, you hate for Clemson to lose, you know, maybe their best and arguably most important tackler in James Skalski. And he was having a big game. And, you know, like Ohio State... Same thing happened to them with the hit on Trevor Lawrence. 
warranting an ejection for targeting. It happens to Clemson in the championship game. I didn't like that, but that bogus pass interference call, offensive pass interference on the Clemson touchdown, I believe if that's not called, the final score of this game would look different. Now, here's what I think would have happened in that scenario. I think that it changes. It's it's 42 to 32 now. It's a 10-point game. I think LSU scores one more touchdown then, and I think Clemson scores two more touchdowns but isn't able to get the field goal, isn't able to get the ball back to get the field goal or a winning touchdown. So I think the final score would end up being LSU 49, Clemson 46, and those LSU fans would have had to sweat out this championship. Instead, they didn't. They got to party, and that's great for them. I'm just upset that the fourth quarter wasn't as exciting, really, as as it should have been. And it should have been an exciting fourth quarter, but nevertheless, still a great game. You know, 42-25 to doesn't look like a great game, but it was a great game. Congratulations to LSU and those fans. Coach O, I know for a fact that USC fans everywhere are sick. Absolutely sick to their stomachs. They should never have fired Coach O at Orgeron for Clay Helton. Now LSU has a national championship, and he was disrespected by many people for years. So very happy for that guy. Very happy for Joe Burrow. A guy who I wasn't sure I'd take over Tua before Tua's injury. Tua's injury obviously changes a lot, but I still think Tua might end up being the better NFL quarterback. We will wait and see for that information, though. Be very interesting to see how Tua plays if he plays next season in the NFL. Speaking of Alabama, even though this night is, of course, all about LSU and the Tigers' triumph at their home state in Louisiana, the great state of Louisiana's Coach O says, got to talk about some other teams. Just to wrap up this college football season, some thoughts that I had on different teams. Disappointed in Michigan in their effort against Alabama. One of the three incorrect predictions I made on New Year's Day bowl games, and that was very disappointing. The only bowl prediction I got right from that day was the Rose Bowl, Oregon beating Wisconsin. Knew that was going to happen. Knew it was going to happen like the way they did, too. They pulled the old Mr. Krabs. Wisconsin thought they were going to win the game. And just like Mr. Krabs took the coin out of the vending machine and still got his soda. (laughs) Um, Wisconsin did not get that win. Oregon took the win. The Rose Bowl championship away from them. But... Michigan just disappointing in the fact that, you know, they were winning at half and just a horrible second half, no adjustments. Jim Harbaugh's not on the hot seat, but that's just, he's got to win a bowl game next year or beat Ohio State. One of those two you got to do next year, my man, Jim. But the college football season is over. What I want to do is do my way too early top 25 But, Anthony, the season just ended. LSU hasn't been champion for eight hours yet. True, but this is what I think the top 25 is going to be at the end of the season next year. So, number one, obviously Clemson. I think Clemson is going to win the championship. It'll be their third in five years, two of the last three. 
just like they did last year, winning two of the last three. Trevor Lawrence is coming back. Not much to say. Clemson's the best team in the country. Number two, Alabama. I think they'll play Alabama in the national championship game and beat them. Alabama's great. We'll see who's their starting quarterback. Is Tua's brother going to take over? We shall see, but they're going to be a great team. Number three, Ohio State. The Ohio State. They're going to be great once again, just like they were last year. And just like last year, they'll lose in the college football playoff opener, this time against Alabama. Number four, LSU. LSU will lose one game before the playoffs, maybe to Alabama. They'll play Clemson in the first round and lose. Clemson will get revenge for this national championship. So that's how I see the playoffs going right now. The rest of the top 25, number five, Notre Dame. I think the Fighting Irish are going to have a big-time season losing one game at Clemson. They will win the bowl game. I expect Notre Dame to maybe play a team like Florida in their bowl game. And I think Notre Dame will beat number six, Florida. Uh, number seven, Georgia. I still think they're going to be really good. Eight, Penn State. I think Penn State wins the Rose Bowl this year. Oh, no, actually they can't because the Rose Bowl is a playoff. Ah, never mind. Well, maybe next year Penn State will win the Rose the, the following year Penn State will win a Rose Bowl. Oregon at number nine. Texas at 10. Oklahoma 11. Auburn 12. Michigan 13. Wisconsin 14. Cincinnati 15. They will avenge last year's. Almost choke job to Memphis. Not really a choke job, but they blew it. They could have won their conference and got to a New Year's Six Bowl. Next year, they will do that. They will get to a New Year's Six Bowl. 16, Iowa State. I expect them to bounce back from that loss to Notre Dame and have a great season. They're returning a lot of players. 17, Boise State. I think maybe they lose one game next year. That'll keep them a little lower, but if they go undefeated, maybe they could slip in the top 10. 18, Iowa I think Iowa's going to have a really, really good year. 19, North Carolina. I think they're improving as well. 20, Tennessee. I think that they are going in the right direction right now. So I really like the way Tennessee has been moving as of late. 21, Minnesota. I really do believe that Minnesota had a great season last year. They won 11 total games. They beat Auburn in the Outback Bowl dream season. They will not be as good next year. They'll still be a top 25 team. 22, Oklahoma State, a team many people think could be a top 10 program. I don't think they're going to be that good. I think the team to watch out for in the Big 12 is Texas. I think they'll win the Big 12. Big 12, excuse me. And then 23, former Big 12 program, Texas A&M. Again, an overrated program to me. People think they could reach top 10. Not a chance. They'll be about 23. Might not even be ranked. 24, Memphis. I think they'll fall off a bit from last year. And then 25, to their detriment, USC. I think USC will get in the top 25 and it'll keep Clay Helton's job. Unfortunately, I don't know why they kept him. Urban Meyer is obviously interested in the job. I would get Urban Meyer if I could. That's how I see the top 25 going. I think Clemson fans, I don't feel sorry for Clemson fans at all. They're going to win the national championship next year. They'll be in the playoffs for sure, unless they lose to Notre Dame, which which is possible. 
I'm going to try to go to that game, by the way. That's going to be an epic game. I was kind of hoping, even though I was rooting for LSU, if Clemson won and they walked into that Notre Dame game undefeated, oh, my God. Either way, though, if Clemson and Notre Dame are undefeated and they're playing each other, it's going to be a top-five matchup. It's November 7th, I believe. It's like the first or I think it's the first Saturday in November in South Bend. What a great game that'll be. But I want to finish off this college football podcast by discussing a list that was just released. And I know this is a bit of a shorter podcast. This is definitely going to be the shortest one I've done so far, at least. But that's just because we have a lot of content coming from you. The NFL podcast is going to be released in less than a day. So I don't want to put too much content out. And then I also have a movie podcast, a couple different movie ones that will be coming out within the next two weeks, along with the NFL podcasts that are coming pretty much every week till the Super Bowl is over. But what I the list that I want to talk about is college football's top 150 players of all time. They did this list and they honored the top 11. They had the top 11 at the game and for the people that were dead, they had a representative from their family. So I'm just going to read what they had as the top 11. And then I'm going to discuss players that I felt were well underranked. Players that should have weren't even on the list and should have been there. And then I'll give you my top 11 as well. I won't do more than 11, but I will give the top 11 because that's what they gave for the game. Number one, Jim Brown. Number two, Herschel Walker. Number three, Bo Jackson. Number four, Archie Griffin. Number five, Jim Thorpe. Number six, Red Grange. Number seven, Earl Campbell. Number eight, Dick Buckus. Number nine, Barry Sanders. Number 10, Gail Sayers. And number 11, Roger Staubach. Okay. All those players are legends. Don't get me wrong. But what is this list? And not just that, but this whole entire list. No players from the last 30 years? You kidding me? Barry Sanders is the most recent player to make the list, and he left Oklahoma State in 1988? That's just ridiculous. That's... That's the opposite of recency bias right there. So I was looking at the list and boy, there were some some names that I just couldn't believe they were ranked where they ranked. How about, and I'm going to talk about the guys first who I don't have in my top 11. Michael Vick at 123. Are you kidding me? He's at least top 25, in my opinion. 3,074 passing yards, 20 passing touchdowns. He threw 9, almost 10 yards per attempt. I mean, what is it, because of the dog fighting that he's 123? It's pretty much what it is. It says his name is forever linked with the brutal dog fighting operation that earned him a 23-month prison sentence and derailed his NFL career. That's the first sentence of his, like, are you kidding me? It's ridiculous, like... Michael Vick was third in the Heisman Trophy, and he got him to the national championship game. Virginia Tech, by the way, and played Florida State. They lost 46-29, but the game was about Michael Vick and his 43-yard touchdown run. Two Florida State defenders tore ACLs trying to tackle that guy, and he was just a freshman. Michael Vick was amazing in college. Definitely should be ranked higher than that. 
How about Megatron? Calvin Johnson, one spot lower at 124. Arguably the greatest college wide receiver of all time. He was amazing at Georgia Tech. Almost 3,000 receiving yards, 28 touchdowns, 178 receptions. I can't believe that he was 124. How about Tim Brown, an easy top 25 player in my eyes, the greatest player in the history of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish in my estimation. 5,024 all-purpose yards, almost 2,500 receiving yards, and 22 touchdowns. He won a Heisman Trophy winner, the last Notre Dame player to win the Heisman Trophy. Definitely should be ranked higher than 53rd. Are you kidding me? How about Randy Moss at 66th? Randy Moss at 66th? Come on, he should be in the top 25 as well. 54 total touchdowns in his college career. That's all I need to say. He played for Marshall. He was in the Heisman Trophy race with Peyton Manning and Charles Woodson. Unbelievable. That guy was amazing. Wish he got to play at Notre Dame. That would have been awesome. How about Dan Marino, the legend from Pittsburgh? Dan Marino at 67? One of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Another about top 25 to 30. I just don't understand this list, man. Larry Fitzgerald, 46th? Maybe the greatest college receiver of all time? At 46th? Ricky Williams at 57? Guys, understand how great Ricky Williams was in college for the Texas Longhorns? 72 rushing touchdowns that man had in his career. 72! And he's only 57? How about my guy Eddie George from from the University of Georgia? 44 running touchdowns, 500 receiving yards, almost 4,000 running yards. <sighs> rushing yards. Sorry, the list is making me so mad. I'm messing up words. I mean, Marcus Allen, two spots lower at 40. What are we doing here? Lawrence Taylor, 42? Lawrence Taylor, 42. Are you kidding me? Arguably the best defensive player in the history of the NFL. I'm not going to say he's the best college defensive player, but he's certainly in the top 10 to 15. Come on now, Lawrence Taylor was a monster at North Carolina. Drew Brees, 93? Oh my God, this list is ridiculous. Ronnie Lott, only 58. Again, Ronnie Lott, uh, the USC players were really disrespected. And I'm sticking up for my rival school, USC. Notre Dame fan, but gotta gotta say it, gotta call it like it is. Emmett Smith at 70. You know how great Emmett Smith was at Florida? Not that he wasn't great with the Cowboys, but yeah, he almost had. He was, only 72 yards away from 4,000 career running yards, rushing yards. 36 rushing touchdowns, 4,391 all-purpose yards. His first game that he started in his career at Florida, he rushed for 224 yards and two touchdowns versus Alabama. It's all-time great right there. And how is he 70? Joe Montana, not ranked? Not even in the top 150 players? Are you kidding me? You know how many legendary performances Joe Montana had? 
1977 National Championship. Destroyed top-ranked Texas in that Cotton Bowl, 38-10. to How about his senior year? The Cotton Bowl, the chicken soup game. Houston up 28 to 12, or it's 20 to 12. Houston was up 34 to 12 when Joe Montana returned to the field after having that chicken soup. He had the flu, led the Irish to three touchdowns in the last eight minutes of the game, with the final one coming as time expired. 35 to 34, Notre Dame beats Houston in the Cotton Bowl. Come on, that's amazing. Joe Montana's. Easily top 150. The most egregious omission is a USC quarterback, Mr. Matt Leinert. Are you kidding me? Heisman Trophy winner in 2004. Heisman Trophy third place finisher in 2005. I mean, his three years. Let's look at his three seasons at USC. 3,500 passing yards, 38 touchdowns, 9 picks. That's his first year. AP National Championship. LSU wins the BCS that year. 2004, Heisman Trophy. 3,300 passing yards, 33 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. National Championship, outright championship, BCS and AP. Blowout Oklahoma Championship game. 2005, 28 touchdowns, 8 picks, 3,800 yards passing. Lost to maybe the greatest player of all time in college football history. We'll see what the list says later. He's definitely in the top 11, I'll tell you that much. Barely lost that game. And he's not in your list. Oh, my goodness. This list just... It really, really bugs me, man. It it really bugs me. Another omission that I can't believe is no Alabama players from this dynasty. Trent Richardson, Mark Ingram, Derrick Henry. I could tell you this. Derrick Henry is most certainly a top 100 college football player of all time. You can't tell me otherwise. You can't. I'm sorry. You just can't. Easily. Mark Ingram, I would say, might make the top 150. Trent Richardson, maybe not, but he has a case. Uh, That's just... So, I'll do my top 11 from 11 to 1. Kicking off at number 11, O.J. Simpson. Won the 1968 Heisman Trophy. Led USC to the 1967 National Championship. 33 touchdowns. Unbelievable player. I felt like he was underrated at 25, but not egregiously underrated as the next person on this list. Number 10, Cam Newton, who honestly, I feel like I am underrating at 10. How great Cam Newton was. And he was down 24 points at Alabama and beat him 28 to 27. The Cam back. That's when I knew Cam Newton was going to be a legend in the NFL too. Unbelievable guy, undefeated, national championship. I don't care, he only had one year. He scored 50 touchdowns in that one year. Unbelievable. By the way, Joe Burrow is not on this list, but maybe eventually I'll put Joe Burrow on this list. I think if I did it, it would be recency bias, so I'm not going to do that yet. Maybe one day I'll make a new list, an even larger list, 
and Joe Burrow will be in the top 11. Number nine, Barry Sanders. He was nine on their list. I agree. Hold up. I am sorry. Cam Newton was 10 on my list. I almost forgot that I had to slam this list again. I tried to forget where they ranked him. But they ranked him at 135th. Are you serious? Cam Newton at 135? This list is ridiculous. It is bogus. It is straight blasphemous. As my man Stephen A. Smith would say. How bogus that is. Anyway, moving on to Barry Sanders at number 9. What else can you say that hasn't been said already about Barry Sanders? Arguably the greatest just running back in the history of the game. College football, he was amazing. In 1988, he had 3,250 all-purpose yards, 54 total touchdowns, 3,500 career running yards for Oklahoma State. Unbelievable player. Well-deserving of the number nine spot. Number eight, Charles Woodson, who was ranked at 41st. Another egregiously low ranking to me. Unbelievable football player. Heisman Trophy in 1997. And that also propelled the Michigan Wolverines to a national championship in 1977. And he even got the Walter Camp Award, the Bronco Nagurski Trophy, the Chuck Bednarik Award, and the Jim Thorpe Award. I mean, look at all those awards he had. 18 interceptions, 162 tackles, and six total touchdowns. Absolute legend. Definitely deserves to be in the top 10. I got him at number eight. Number seven, Archie Griffin, who they had at four. I understand why. You could put him higher on the list. I just would have him at seven. Absolute legend. Only player ever to win two Heisman trophies, and he did it back-to-back. Absolute legend. The best player to ever set foot at the Ohio State. That's no question. Definitely a top 10 player. No problem with his placement on the list. I just have him a little lower. That's just me. Number six, Bo Jackson. Again, I have him, like Archie Griffin, Having three spots lower than his ranking. Again, no disrespect to their ranking. You could put Bo Jackson number one in my opinion. Once you get to, in my opinion, once you get to number eight, like even Charles Woodson, you could make the case he's the best. Archie Griffin. Bo Jackson, again, another guy you could definitely make the case. Greatest college player of all time. Like, not not a chance you couldn't make that argument I just don't think he is 43 running touchdowns 4,303 running yards 6.6 yards per carry greatest athlete of all time not the best college player of all time but he's sixth on my list coming in in fifth is Herschel Walker just like the last two guys on this list I have him three spots lower than his ranking of two 5,259 running yards 52 touchdowns 159.4 159.4 rushing yards per game. I mean, that's unbelievable stuff from this man, Herschel Walker from the University of Georgia. Again, great player. I just would have him a little lower on the list. Now we get to the top four, and these four were so egregiously ranked. It is ridiculous. The only, the worst ranking on this list to me is Cam Newton at 135. I had him at 10. These four are the other four worst rankings in my estimation. Number four, Tim Tebow, who was somehow ranked 76th. The man won a Heisman Trophy in two national championships. One as the starter. The other, he contributed to that team, scored big touchdowns. So you can't take his impact away from those teams. 
I'm very disappointed in this list. Tim Tebow is arguably the greatest college football player of all time. There are days where I've said he is the greatest, but today I'm saying fourth on my list. Third, Reggie Bush. Now, what the heck is their problem with talking about Reggie Bush? And the first thing they talk about is, or not the first thing, but one of the things that most of the things they talk about is the NCAA probation. Because Bush and his family got hundreds of thousands of dollars in gifts from two marketing agents while he played for the Trojans. That's what they say. That has nothing to do with what he did on the field, and Reggie Bush was amazing on the field. 1,301 receiving yards, 6,617 all-purpose yards, 3,169 rushing yards. This man was a beast. The greatest running back in the history of college football. That is just my opinion. Reggie Bush ranked at 61st as a travesty. Another player ranked outside the top 100. I couldn't believe this ranking. Number two on my list, Deshaun Watson, who was ranked 101 on the list. I can't believe that's where they put Deshaun Watson, who is the best big game performer in the history of college football outside of maybe one other player. I have him ranked second on my list. I don't know if there's any quarterback I would take over him. I'm ranking him second on the list. It's such a close call, but I had to go with number one over him. Barely, though. Clemson's first national title in 35 years when he won that championship. 10,000 passing yards, 67.4 completion percentage, 90 passing touchdowns. And then the two games against Alabama. 478 total yards with four throwing touchdowns in the 45-40 loss to Alabama in the championship game. The next year he throws for 420 yards with three scores, including that game winner to Hunter Renfro with one second left to beat Alabama 35-31 to in that great national championship game. Unbelievable, but... I go with Vince Young at number one, who was somehow ranked 81st. Vince Young, the man with the maybe greatest moment in the history of college football, I would say, he's going for the corner. He's got it. Vince Young scores. Like that call by Keith Jackson, like you you can't tell me that you don't get goosebumps Hearing that, and he did a lot more. Remember in my first college football podcast, I talked about that excellent Rose Bowl between Texas and Michigan when Texas won. I I thought that was the fifth best Rose Bowl of all time. And then you have the best Rose Bowl of all time, the national championship game where Texas ended USC's 34-game winning streak, denied the Trojans a third straight national title, He was absolutely sensational in that game. He was the Heisman Trophy runner-up that year. He was the Rose Bowl MVP, obviously, against Michigan, running for 192 yards and four touchdowns while passing for 180 and another touchdown. Oh, my God. His career at Texas, 6,040 passing yards, 3,127 rushing yards, 81 total touchdowns, 37 running, and 44 passing. 
Oh, the the greatest individual performance in the sport's history, though, against USC. 267 yards passing, 200 running yards. Oh, my God. And they ranked him 81st. 81st. And it honestly just absolutely makes no sense to me. I'm at a loss for words as to why they would rank Vince Young that low just really makes absolutely zero sense to me I'm really speechless as to why they would do that to Vince Young who is in my opinion the absolute number one greatest college football player of all time I mean that moment against USC I think that's just what puts him at number one I mean just what an iconic moment in sports history for that matter, not just college football history. I mean, you know what's coming next. Absolute legend. Absolute legend. one of those all-time great sports moments and that's why we love sports Vince Young to me the number one player in the history of college football you know tough decision to make for me it was so hard to go with either Vince Young Deshaun Watson Reggie Bush or Tim Tebow but that's the order I go with with those four guys and unfortunately that's gonna do it for the change the game college football episode that is it for change the game college football Next time we'll do one of these is going to be, well, right around the start of college football season. And I'll give an updated preseason top 25, which will actually be more a little more accurate. But again, even those aren't very accurate. Come on, nobody knows what's really going to happen. Got to play the games first. But thanks for tuning in to Change the Game. Got an NFL podcast within the next two days. So stay tuned for that. And thanks for listening and keep tuning in to Change the Game. We've got lots more content coming up, including movie podcasts, including favorite movie from every year that I've been alive. And I'm going to talk about so many movies during that, not just the number one movie from every year, but just movies that I enjoy, you know, maybe not the most technically proficient movies, but just kind of my favorite movies from every year I've been alive, including the best one from every year, top 10 movies of the decade, the Star Wars part two podcast with a special guest. Especially if you don't like these sequel movies or you wish they were better, you're definitely going to want to tune into that episode. Got a lot of content coming and just keep tuning in. Thanks for listening to Change the Game.